Yeah. Been grinding. But yeah, introduce yourself, man. So everyone who's like not sitting here with us, like knows who you are and everything like that. Yeah, so I'm uh, Dustin Lompre. Grew up here in Henderson, the foothill. Uh, known Colin since when did we first meet? Like at water sports? Yeah, I think we did meet at water sports. So 20. Like 18? I'm thinking it might have been 2019 summer. No. No, it would have had to be because. Yeah, yeah, 2019 summer, yeah. 2019 summer? Because 2018 summer, I graduated in 2018. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, so it would have been 2019. Yeah, because I didn't work there at, right after I graduated. Uh-huh. I was getting ready to go play college football, so like I was just grinding in the gym. <laughs> Dude, I weighed like a buck, a buck 60. I'm up in the 200s now, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy too to think like how long you knew like my cousin for. Dude, I knew your cousin since like I was like, in elementary school. Yeah, no, you showed me that picture of you, like, with her, like, in kindergarten. Yeah. Sitting next to her. That's crazy. I actually think that one was um, in fifth grade when we were going to our, um, <laughs> we were going to Washington, D.C., because me and her were both in Gate. So if you don't know what Gate is, it's like the, it's like uh, the gifted and talented, you know, education. Yeah, and I so, wasn't in that. <laughs> <laughs> so what we would do is, like, we would go to um, Washington, D.C., because we would do this, like, energy plan kind of thing every year and we so we would go and um we would uh we would like present it in front of people and so i (laughs) story about serenity uh so we're on the plane flying right and uh this um like we're like i think we're in first class i don't know we're in a nice plane fifth grade and first class that's i don't know i might be (laughs) happen but they um so they uh order me they like bring to me and Trinity, they bring us these uh, like Cheerios and orange juice. <laughs> and Trinity, Trinity's my girlfriend, Serenity, she uh, like spilled the Cheerios everywhere when she woke up, dude. Oh man, it was a, it was a funny time. Oh God. Yeah, I don't, I don't imagine them uh, spending that much money to put fifth graders in first class. Dude, I don't know. It, I just remember <laughs> like we were at the front kind of and like there was just a wall. But like if you went up, there was more things. It was weird. It was, it was really weird. That probably, yeah, it probably wasn't first class then. First class is probably behind that wall. No, yeah, it probably was like the front of like class. Yeah. Or what is it called? Coach. coach. It was like probably like the back of coach. But yeah, dude, introduce yourself. Like, who are you? Like, what do you do? What do you like? Things like that. Oh, well, my favorite thing is just, you know, anything outdoors. Uh, love working on my track. Actually, I just got back from uh, working on my coworker. We, uh, his starter on his old Ford was out so I just went in there and replaced that because he's a he's a bigger dude he used to be into like bodybuilding and stuff like that so Mm. he would like he showed me videos of like him competing at like 650 like deadlift like insane so it's hard for him to fit under his truck so I had to go under his truck and replace his starter but yeah my biggest thing is just you know like outdoor stuff uh family and then just I work so trying to make the best life I can for myself. Yeah, I mean, you're really into hunting. I know that. Like, yeah. Do you have any, like, really cool hunting stories or really dangerous hunting stories that you could share? Um, There was one time, I mean, I have a bunch of stories, but um, there was this one time me and my dad were scouting for his uh, desert bighorn sheep hunt. And basically what the point of, like, scouting is, is, like, you go to, like, so when you go hunting – you have like designated areas and like so like you put in tags for these areas and you can only hunt in a specific area so once you like get like if you do get a tag and you you know what area it's going to be so then you before the tag happens you scout it 
And so basically what you're doing is like, you know, putting up like game cameras, getting like pictures, getting a good idea of, um, you know, like the movements of the animals, what animals are where, uh, like, and so one of the things about desert bighorn sheep hunting is it's in the desert. So one of the things that you want to do is like find the water source. So me and my dad were hunting or scouting and we went up to this one spot and it was a spring and, you know, there's a bunch of trees, you know, it's a pretty big area size of like probably like five or six houses put together. And there was like this old, like big, you know, like uh, metal drum and it looked like it had like half the lid peeled back, but it was kind of like, like at the bottom of maybe like a little like nine foot, 10 foot hill. And so it was peeled back. So I couldn't see what was on the other side. So I was going to go like look at it. And I remember I walked straight up to it and on top of it was a little rattlesnake. Oh, man. like right there. So I like turned the corner and he was just like right there next to my face. So I ran back up and then. So we walked up like a little trail going into that little area. And so I told him about that. And Lord behold, we looked back. And then on that trail, there's a freaking four foot rattlesnake going across it. And so we went back and we, we killed that one because it was a big one. And I actually have that uh, skin and the rattle and everything on that. So that was pretty cool. What did you make the skin into? Just, just literally just the skin. So you just skin it out get all the meat and the bones off of it and so it's just uh it's literally like just the skin on it it's crazy and the rattle have you ever been like bitten by anything like a snake spider or anything while hunting not while hunting i've been stung by scorpions here uh while i was just on my hunt uh i had a mule deer hunt this past i think it was september mm-hmm. and so we were up like just south of tonopah right on the california nevada border on so i remember this we i was asleep and like i knew there were like there's like cattle and stuff in the area sometimes i remember i we were sleeping on these little cots and i remember i woke up and it felt like my cot was like moving back and forth and so i just thought like that there was like like you know i was half asleep so i thought there was like cattle or something moving around and it turns out there was like a 5.7 magnitude earthquake within like 40 miles yeah no and because we were with another guy, and he was in his trailer, and so the next morning, he was like, hey, did you guys feel like that earthquake like last night? And I was like, "Like that's what that was? Because I remember it faintly, but I was like, I didn't know what it was because I was half mm-hmm. asleep. Yeah. Dude, uh, I've never been in like an earthquake or like a, like anything of like a, like hurricane or anything like that, but um, I have been in some pretty bad like rainstorms and stuff like that. Yeah. So... I guess the scariest thing I've ever been encountered, like with weather wise, was like me and Dion were driving home. So one of the most dangerous parts of my drive from um, Oregon to here is the Blues, which is like a mountain pass from yeah. Oregon to Boise. And I think I've been through that actually. And it's like super dangerous. And so during the winter when I have to drive back, like I didn't have chains, nothing, and dude, it was. <laughs> pouring snow like it was like really like i don't know if that's the word for like when it snows a lot but it was like really 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 snowing and uh it turned out like dion was sleeping he woke up and i was going like 15 miles an hour and the car kind of was just doing what it wanted to do you know it was kind of like like kind of swerving kind of like staying the same and so i um I like just kept like going through. I couldn't see like nearly anything in front of me and I just kept going and I, I made it out. But that was one of like, just to be behind the wheel of something like that is just so scary. Yeah. I've never, that's the thing about that. 
I went to like Lake Mead a couple weeks ago and uh, we were we had to off road to get to this one spot. I remember there were a couple good sand pits and like even in my truck, you know, lifted and with, you know, 33 inch off road tires, it was just kind of like m taking it and like putting it wherever it wants to go and it was kind of sketchy. I've never driven in snow like that before though. But I think I have been through that pass though when my sister went to Washington State and we drove up there with her. Oh yeah, probably. Because I know we went through, I know we had to go through Boise, so. It depends on what road you go. So you could go through, like, kind of like, I mean, the way, like, I never go, but you could kind of go through, like, middle of Nevada. You have to go through Nevada. Yeah. Um, and then you can go through, like, middle of Oregon and then go up to Washington. The way I go is, because I go to school in Portland, which are right outside of Portland yeah. at Pacific University. So what we do is we go through up and, or I usually do it by myself, but we go to Boise because I have family there so I can stay a night. It's a 10-hour drive there, and then it's a seven-hour seven hour drive the next day to Portland or yeah. right outside of it. No, yeah, everything's good. I, was, I just like For to sure. put those on once in a while just because like, sure. I don't have anybody like testing the audio. <laughs> he was just giving me a thumbs up because I put on the headphones real quick. But no, dude, like, I mean, like, last year, like, um, I remember last year when you sent me that picture from your apartment when all those fires were going on and the sky was freaking red. No, that dude, was insane. that was bad. Like, and so, you know, um, it's actually my house. So I don't live in an apartment. I live in a house. Oh. But, um, so that's happened like two years. So the first year it happened, it was my freshman year. So yeah. if you guys don't know, Oregon and Cali ha gets hit with wildfires once in a while, like really bad. Yeah. And so what happened was we were, I was sitting there, dude. And like my freshman year, they had to shut down fall camp and like, in like things around football because we yeah. couldn't play outside. Like it was like a hundred, it was like one sixty um, air quality out there. And like the good Dang. is like nothing or good is like twenties yeah. and it was one sixty out. And like viable for like just being outside is like 150. Like you really shouldn't be outside if it's higher than that, like at yeah. all. Or you really shouldn't be outside if it's anything over like 100. But yeah. and then this year, like it was orange, dude. And we don't have air conditioning, and it was hot. And <laughs> so I slept one night with my window open, oh. with the fan blowing in, and it was. I felt like I smoked a backwood when I woke up. The next day. <laughs> I felt like I had smoked a pack of three cigarettes and was like dying. Yeah, I, when I actually another story about hunting when I went on my uh antelope hunt this year also I believe this was in August uh there was a this was up in northern Nevada as well like mid mid Nevada northern Nevada and from where my area was uh we were actually just you know where Ely is yeah I go through there every time it I was, drive it was probably about like 40 50 miles north of Ely where mm -hmm. my area was and there was about there was a forest fire like within like 20 miles of us but you know when you're driving up through Ely and you get past it it's a big valley so all the smoke was just pouring into the valley and it was just going down and so the first day of our hunt sucked because you know for one I have allergies so when it burns like that it just makes my eyes and my nose go crazy and for two you know like when you're hunting a lot of times you know you use the spotting scope binoculars so you can see you know like up to you know like a mile away or some kind of thing like yeah. that and with the, all the smoke you just could not see anything like you could see maybe 400 yards and that was about it do you ever think about doing like the um wilderness shows where you have to like go out and survive for a little bit of time because i feel like you could like do pretty well on those shows just because you have so much experience like being outdoors like since you were a kid and stuff you know yeah i think it would just depend on where at though because like, you know, when it comes to, like, Nevada, I feel like I could do fine because, you know, I've just grown up here and I've been outdoors so much here. 
but I don't know how it would do in other areas because, like, I don't know, like, you know, like, being hunting in Nevada so much and being in Nevada so much, I kind of get, like, familiar with, like, desert. what to expect. Well, and plus, you know, outside of Clark County, it's not really a desert, but... yeah. But, you know, like hunting in Nevada so much and growing up here, you know, I know a lot of the, the, you know, like what to expect. And say if you were to drop me off in like Ohio or something, I would not know what to expect out there. So I feel like you would still have some more of the qualities better than the normal average person. Yeah, like if you drop me out there, like I've very rarely <laughs> been outside and done yeah. things, you know. Um, nah, dude. So a quick little uh, background about me and Dustin. Me and Dustin built the Aqua Park, both of them, <laughs> literally. And and like we would say that, like they're like, oh, you don't work hard enough at our old job. And we always used to be like, dude, we built the Aqua Park. And they're like, you what didn't we build? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, dude, I still loved that job though, man. Like it was definitely fun because like my job now, I'm I'm literally like the second youngest person where I work. And so I think one of the things that I enjoyed the most about that was just, you know, like working with so many people that are like the same age as you. Yeah. Because you can relate to a lot sure. more. Because like I work like the person that I was just at his house, you know, helping him with the starter. He's, you know, 31 years old and he's married. You know, like I don't have like like we have things in common and we can get along and stuff and be friends. But I don't have as much as common as I would per se like with somebody like my own age, like we, when you were there. Yeah. No, for sure. That's definitely a young place to be. That's the, that's kind of the problem. I feel like with those, those works though, is like, yeah. um, is that, well, like there's also like, there's two things like young kids don't like to work very hard. You know, we're yeah. very lazy as people, but also the work um, ethic isn't there. Well, but also like kids graduate high school, they graduate college and they're done. They're not yeah. going to work there anymore. It's hard to keep people around to keep like, to grow in the managerial and business and stuff yeah. because a business is like that where it's so dominated by youth. Like who wants to stay there for that long? You have to find like a Martin, a diamond in the rough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that, yeah, that is a good, you know, like point to point out though. Cause like the thing that, about like where I work too is like all the people that I worked with, like, they've worked, you know, like multiple jobs, you know, but they've worked them for like multiple years and like somewhere like that, you know, like even us, we were only there for like two years. So it's not like, it was like a super long-term job and it was literally seasonal. So it was like, no, you worked like real, yeah. five months and then you were off for the rest of the year. So. Yeah. And the thing about those seasonal jobs too, is that like it, you kind of have to be like have the youth or have college kids to work there because yeah. like, you know, like when they're not in all year, you, like what happens when you need to start paying your, for your bills and stuff? Like once you yeah. become an adult and stuff, like you can't just only work during the summer. During the summer, yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing that happens with like ice rinks and stuff like that. Like you can't necessarily just work as an ice rink or like something yeah. that ha like Christmas tree business or something like that. Yeah. Because it's like, not, it's not like, it's not um, viable. It's not efficient. Yeah. And it's not like, what's the word? It's not uh, like secure, you know, like it's only yeah. like for like one part of the year. Then like the rest of like the other seven months, like what are you going to do? So back to hunting, um, you know, when you're out there and you're like, you have no service, you can't really use your phone. Do you feel better? Like with the lack of technology and the lack of connection, like do you feel just like more in, in touch with nature and everything like that? It is a really, you know, like. You know, the one thing, you know, like I do like having contact with people and, you know, like, so it does, sometimes it does bother me not being able to like text anybody or anything like that, but it is pretty cool. You know, like I had, I actually had three hunts this year and when I was on my cow elk hunt, 
I remember we got up at like three o'clock in the morning. We hiked like two miles before the sun even rose. And we were getting up on this mountainside and we had signal there, but you know, like the sun just started rising on the other side of the valley. And you could see like in the bottom of the valley, you know, there were like creeks and stuff and you could see all the water shining. So it is, it is a really neat experience to like be able to like go to these places and then think like, wow, like I'm wondering, you know, like how many like human beings have actually even stepped on this, you know, like spot. Oh yeah, that is wild. And it's like, you know, being on mountaintops and looking at these things, it's like, you know, like it, it, it is a really like, uh, like breathtaking experience. Cause you know, you're seeing that some like stuff that like 99.9% of people in their lives are never going to see. So it is a really like cool experience, you know? Well, it seems to me that like, just being out in nature. Like, I get that it's kind of dangerous to not be connected at all, you know, especially yeah. if you're by yourself. Like, I mean, you've seen the well, movie that's 127 why you never Hours. Go by yourself, though, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but have you seen 127 Hours? Uh, James Franco. So. It's about that. It's about the true story where he's like hiking and he's doing like the, the, um, the climbing on the mountains and he falls through and his arm gets trapped and he has to cut off his arm to get out. And he was trapped for 127 hours. I've heard about that story. I've heard the story, but I've never seen mm -hmm. that movie now. Um, but so it is dangerous if like no one like knows where you're at. But I feel like just like being like if you're just with your family, like if you're in a cabin or if you're like hunting, I feel like it's like such a takeaway from the normal life and how we're so dependent on these technologies like our laptops, yeah. our computers, these apps, these social medias that I feel like it does help one like just reconnect with what being a human being is, which is yeah. like in touch, being a human on earth. Yeah, and it's a really good way to like clear your mind. Like it's almost like like meditation if you like may. Therapeutic almost. Yeah, because yeah. you know, you're not when you're hunting, you know, when you have an animal in your scope, you know, you're not thinking about like who posted what, who said what, you know, what's going on like in politics, you know. You're thinking about like what you're doing. You're concentrating on what you're doing because the second you take your focus away from it is the second, you know, you lose an opportunity. So you have to really focus on what you're doing. And I think like you said, in a way, it is like sort of therapeutical because, you know, like you're not thinking about, you know, everything that's wrong with the world or, you know, problems that you might have in your life. You're thinking about like what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, the cool thing about hobbies in general, like I'm mainly thinking about like sports or lifting weights or um, or hunting or something like that that just engages the solo, you know, engages yeah. the individual as an aspect. It's almost like... Um, all of it could be therapeutic, you know, clearing yeah. your mind, you know, if you really depend on something that's so like individual, like even riding can be therapeutic because you just let your thoughts go. Yeah. And that's like, like skateboarding too, like longboarding and stuff, because you're not, you're not focusing on like, you have to focus on like what's in front of you. You have to like make sure there's no rocks, you know, that you're going to get your board caught underneath or, or anything like that. You know, like, I think like, I think you can really use anything like in a therapeutical way because if it's something that takes your mind off of like current events and stuff that's going on, it's, you know, it's a way to escape. For sure. And you know, the domination of just like political ideology yeah. just is so interesting to me because, you know, as someone who studies politics and government, the way they functions and the way they, um, and the way they act and the way, why they turn dogmatic and things like that, you know, I'm fascinated by all that. So what fascinates me about it is how social media is so dominated by dogmatic political ideology. You know, yeah. why is that, you know, because anything can become dogmatic. It, and, but right now it seems like it's, it's either, you know, we can see where the right becomes dogmatic and white supremacist and everything like that. Yeah. But, you know, it seems to me that the left, it, it, we're not really pimping, um, pinpointing mob rule, you know. 
extreme democracy, almost like when it becomes tyrannical by the mob. And we're not really pinpointing that. And, and it's in, very interesting to me because it seems like if you go on Twitter or sometimes even Instagram, if something happened in current events, yeah. you can't escape it. You're oh, almost attacked by another ideology all the time. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where like it kind of like doesn't make me upset, but it's kind of like... You know, I remember, you know, like when like Vine and stuff was first coming out and like Instagram and stuff like it was just, you know, like a cool thing. You could post pictures, you know, funny stuff. And like nowadays that, you know, like you can literally not pick up your phone without like seeing something about something in politics or something with, you know, like race or anything like that. You know, like Instagram, it's all over Instagram, like you said, Facebook, Twitter, even even like even when you're on Snapchat and you're going, you know, like you know how it gives you like the recommended stories yeah, and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's even in there too, you know. So it's like, I don't know. Not not that it's a bad thing to like raise awareness about issues and stuff, and not to say that it's a bad thing to like mm-hmm. you know put out like political ideas and stuff. But you know, sometimes it's just kind of like it's like uh, that. Like that's where like cunning comes in because it's like a way to like escape. You know, you don't have to pay attention to that. You're not thinking about that. Sorry, I had a burp, but um, no, exactly. And you know, I don't even think it's about like raising awareness anymore because raising awareness is one thing. I really think what it is about is um, making people riled up because what what is yeah. so attractive and what is demanding right now? Call it a man's answers. <laughs> <laughs> so that, when he says the title and the name, uh, when he says the title, when he's talking. But um, is eyeballs? You know, how long can you keep uh, attention? And what what yeah. holds people more than positivity and and promotion neg- of things is something is negative. that ticks them off. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: post something negative. Post something that you know will like. Let's let's say I post something that's like men yeah. are superior, right? Yeah. Let's say I do that. I'll get in an argument. I'll have comments. I'll have yeah. like people will be sharing it and it will blow up. Right. Yeah. Now, I post something like I always do my clips, me posting positivity, motivation, like, yeah. Hey, this is what should happen. You know, dude, I get like, a like. Know, like yeah, <laughs> like 2000 views, 35 likes, you know, it's yeah. like, dude, 2000 people saw that and 35 to 40 to 60 people liked it. It's like, you know, I, I have a lot more people listening cause it's like, cause you they know, subscribe it, and stuff, but it, it almost reminds me of like, almost reminds me of like fishing you know because like when you're fishing like especially like for bass you know like you're throwing out lures and you're throwing them out to get a reaction you're throwing them out Mm. so when the fish sees it it sparks it grabs their attention and they latch onto it they attack it but if it's not if it's just you know like you're throwing something out there like bland like you put a bottle cap on a hook or something and they see that they're not going to care but you know if you throw something out there that's you know shiny or gets their attention then they care about it yeah and you know to an extent you know what we what we're really seeing is you know to your fifth fish analogy um <laughs> you know people are pawns dude people are sheep you know people follow you know it it takes so we were just reading the three dimensions of power so you yeah. know the first dimension is by robert dahl he basically says can you talk a little bit closer yeah yeah, like right there. Um, so the three dimensions of power basically go like this. So they're like, the first one shows that like, the first, 
sorry, the first stream of power is basically the power of me to exert my own will over you in decisions. I make decisions happen. The yeah. power to make decisions happen. The second dimension of power is the, is the section of non-decision making, which says that the power to make the agenda or keep things off the agenda. Yeah. So like the people that have political power sometimes can keep environmental issues off, um, like the Republican Party has for so long, or issues with trans people or issues with, um, you know, things like that. That's yeah. the power of non-decision making. The third stream of power is ideological power, which is the most because you can shape people's perceptions through and make them feel like what they think is what they actually feel so it's it's almost like control over the the mob or the the people's ideas of um and what happens i think i think a big issue with today is too you know like with a lot of these young people is a lot of people don't really know like where they align when it comes to like politics and ideology so they hear something that sounds good or they see something that, you know, like a lot of people are getting behind and then they get behind that because they don't know any better. They don't like and not not to like say that as like a bad thing, but like, you know, like a lot of people don't know how to really think for themselves. So then they th- they see things like that. They see things that, you know, like people are getting behind that, you know, like look attractive to them. And they just get behind it, not because, you know, like they believe in it, but that's because like what other people are doing, I feel like. It, there is something definitely to be said about people following blindly to things that are, is important or is, um, is um, attractive, like you're saying. Yeah. Or, that's not really the word I was thinking. I was thinking more of uh, that's um, dominated, you know, mainstream almost. Yeah. So you see LeBron James tweet something, you know, you're going to, you know, it's following because he's yeah. popular. That's that's the ideological power, you know, to be in control of what people think. They have yeah. their own thoughts. You know, it's it's one thing to have like influence people's how they think. It's another thing to control how people think in general. Yeah. You know, and it, it only takes so long for everyone to believe something for it to become reality. Yeah. You know, and that's the danger about it. If we if we get to a point where mob mentality becomes the number one important majority rule instead of these fundamental democratic republic principles that the American constitution was founded on, yeah. you know, we'll get in, we're getting we're getting into a tyrannical party, you know, we're getting into a tyrannical sense where we're controlled by the mainstream media almost or the, the democratic party with these ideological grips upon what social media can and cannot be through people's yeah. ideology it's, it's fascinating it's insane yeah no it, and it's crazy to see like how much like this has really changed on social media like within the last like year and a half like since right before covid started like it's it's crazy to see like how dramatically it's changed like on like social media platforms like i remember like two years ago you know you didn't really see stuff like that like anywhere and nowadays, it's like you can't like click, you know, you, you find it on every platform. Well, let's think about this. You know, I'm going to say something that's pretty highly debated, debatable. And so I don't want to <laughs> trigger anybody. But, um, you know, masks, the, the idea that a pandemic could become political, you know, the idea that certain governmental forces in the freest land of them all can mandate things like masks or mandate staying at home, mandate closing yeah. of businesses is fascinating to me because never once in American history has that really ever happened besides mainly, mainly maybe World War II or, you know. And yeah, but and even then in World War II, though, you know, we were dealing with the threat, you know, because Pearl Harbor got bombed and we yeah. were dealing with the threat of, you know, there there were multiple times when like German submarines were off the eastern coast, so there it was a really big you know threat you know that people were worried about you know with the bombings and everything like that. Not to say COVID isn't a threat either, but you know, 
it's it's become you know it's gonna be interesting because as you know people did die and a lot of people died and a lot of people who are elderly and sick you know and so yeah. what needs to happen going forward is you know get the vaccine um but also you know next time this happens we need to be more prepared we were not prepared for a global pandemic yeah we got our asses whipped how many how many businesses are not coming back from this because of the shutdowns you know how many people Probably have lost have lost the jobs and you know the shitty thing is the stimulus checks are probably not going to go away ever now that now that people like they basically shut down half the small business in the world you know you yeah. know think about new york and california how how vast those um states are and how much people lost their businesses because of it you know and lives but yeah i mean ec the and economic then, downfall of this was insane and then and then uh what happened in texas too with uh, all the power outages you know with, with what happened with the snowstorms is um you know people were talking about you know their power bills were going to go up you know thousands of dollars and it's like you know these people that lost their jobs or you know lost hours because of covid and then they get the power bills and everything on top of that you know like I was thinking, you know, economically, that's really gonna, you know, mess Texas up, because people are still dealing with the aftermath. Because, you know, they have to, they're spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to rebuild their electric grid because they weren't prepared for it, and so it, it just kind of destroyed them, I think, too, right in the middle of it. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be interesting to see what the back end looks of this, you know, because it's clearly yeah. it's finally ending, you know, finally. Yeah, it's still gonna take a while, but. Yeah, but, you know, at least now we're going to have some insight that things are going to get back to normal. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see, though, because, you know, like, there's a lot of talk about, like, a lot of people are saying that they think the government's going to try to get, like, the mass thing to be, like, a permanent thing, you know? And so I'm really interested to see, you know, how that's going to end. Because, you know, like, I think, what, Texas bars now, you don't have to wear masks in, in Florida and stuff like that, Some those two states? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've been in any bars, but, like, no. if you're... If you're um, sitting anywhere dude, at a bar you're not like any you know it's become like everyone's eating and drinking when you're inside of a restaurant like yeah. you don't have to wear the mask anymore but, and even you know, at, even at sporting events too you know you see somebody holding a thing of popcorn you know on their lap with their yeah. mask down just because they have that food. will be interesting to see when the first packed sporting event is going to be you know i know um in Sometime this summer, Conor McGregor fights Dustin Poirier at T-Mobile Arena, and they're planning on having full capacity. Wow. Kamaru Usman, I think he fights this weekend. Yeah. And he, they're having packed in Florida, I'm pretty sure. It's, I think it's a packed house. Yeah. But I don't know how, what packed means anymore, you know? Yeah, because, you know, packed, you know, you know, go back, you know, six months ago and, you know, 0% capacity. So, you know, having 30% capacity, you know, with like 5,000 people is a big difference, you know, to fighting with zero. Yeah, dude, and, like, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I don't like the engagement of wearing masks, dude. Like, Yeah, it's, it's annoying. Imagine <laughs> if you were sitting here right now in a mask talking about Well, even, even last summer, you know, working at Lake Las Vegas, it's 115 Dying. degrees outside, you know, we're at the lake humidity, and, you know, we're sweating, and we have to wear our mask because we're at work, you know, we're surrounded by people, and so even then, that just made it, like, work, like... <laughs> 10 times worse because we had to like help 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 <laughs> i had a stroke had a one stroke. time i had a stroke dude it's because of the carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide remember I was when we were in ingesting. the remember when we were in the water and uh what's his name was driving around on the oh. jet ski and we got carbon monoxide poisoning from yeah. that uh was it josh yeah yeah dude, it, and dude. then and then what's his name will was like 
Will was like, yeah, he was talking to him and he was like, yeah, they're probably getting carbon dioxide poisoning. And he was like, no, they're not. Don't say that. No, for real, <laughs> we were though, dude. Well, yeah, we got lightheaded and like wanted to throw up out of nowhere. Yeah, and yeah, dude. Oh, man. Help, help, help. So, story behind that. I was, I was, so as the lifeguard um, had the heat let. Lead. I can't speak. Are you having a stroke again? <laughs> I'm having a stroke about telling a story about having a stroke. As the lead lifeguard, you have to give a speech to the people, uh, basically telling them the rules on how to get on the aqua park and how to not. All the do's and don'ts. And so I was giving my speech with the mask on, and I like couldn't breathe. And I was like, I was on the radio, I think, afterwards, and I couldn't. I was like telling someone to go help me, and I was like, help, 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 and I you couldn't said, stop. I, and I was like, I was like standing right behind him. And I, I heard him say it the first time, and I thought he was, like, talking to somebody, and he just kept on repeating. I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, and I turned around, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, dude, I just think I just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I jinxed the shit out of Martin, bro? When he cut himself? Yeah. Oh, so so I remember we, when he cut himself. Bro, yeah, so we were having, um, we, were, we were cutting open the paddle boards. Yeah, the and- boxes. And the day before, Martin had like a, he broke his phone and he got a ticket and he was like having the worst day. And we're cutting paddle boards open. And I'm like, well, you know, good news is Martin. He's like, what is that? And I was like, you can't have a worse day today than you had yesterday. And right after that, he cut his hand. <laughs> and so I, that's totally a jinx on my part. Martin, if you're listening to this, I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. But back to COVID though, too, I think another big thing about it too is just like how, like, like, how can we, like, because, like, so, for instance, uh, the coworker that I was just at his house, his wife is a nurse practitioner. Mm. And so she said, you know, the numbers get really misconstrued. Because, like, say, um, like, a family of four, dad, wife, and two kids go in and they all test positive, then they count that. And they, and for, in order for that dad, say, to go back to work, they all have to go back and get tested. And every time they test positive, they add it to that. Um, I had a friend in Minnesota and uh her friend unfortunately passed away in a car accident but at the time they had covid they put that on the death certificate uh we knew another guy see okay let's let's stop for that one and talk to um talk about that because i've heard that's been happening for a lot of people like i heard this guy who unfortunately died in a motorcycle accident but and he was um he has covid positive so they gave it a covid death yeah yeah no they died yeah no and it's funny like i seen like i seen a meme on like instagram or something and it was like He's like, man, you know, eaten by shark dies of COVID, you know? And it's kind of like that same thing because, like, we knew somebody, or well, we didn't know them personally, but they had, like, stage four lung cancer. They had, like, you know, not much left. You know, they were on their deathbed, and they caught COVID or something, and they passed away, unfortunately. And it's like you see this, this kind of thing happening, like, with what this you trend, said and what yeah. I said. And it's like, and like, like what I said about the nurse practitioner, uh, my friend's wife, you know, she said that, you know, like every time, you know, for that family, for them to go back to work, if that family goes back and say it's the same four people, but say they get tested five times and they all test positive, that's 20, but it's four people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really hard to say how much like, it's really hard to say like how much of these numbers that were numbers, you know, that we're seeing are like actually like true, like, you know? Well, so 
the way we did it in Oregon is we would test every Monday as a batch test before for yeah. football. And if anyone near you tested positive and you had been in close contact with them, you had to quarantine for 10 to 14 days no matter what, even yeah. if you came back negative. Yeah. That, see, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and see, that, yeah, that doesn't make sense because it's like, it's not like if the virus is in your system, you know, like you're not going to test positive. Like, it's not like, like I couldn't imagine it being something that like, you know, you don't test positive, but it's in your system. And then a couple of days later you test positive. Like that doesn't make sense. No. And that doesn't make, it's, that will never make sense. Yeah. Um, but also this, the virus has been different. It has been freaky and stuff like that. You said what? Um, the virus has been like freaky and it's been like yeah. really different. It's acted different in, in different people, but you know, it's, you know, going forward, I don't, I don't think that's the main issue facing us today. Yeah. I think the main issue is going to be what the silencing means of people on social medias and how we're going to, if open debate is ever going to be an American principle anymore. Yeah, if it's, if it's like more so going to be, you know, the media and, you know, high up people controlling things or if it's ever going to get back to, you know, the, the people having more of a voice. Well, people don't understand about the American, the way American, the way American constitutionalism, the way that American is, is founded upon is the idea of popular sovereignty. That's the idea that people run the country. Not, yeah. And it goes, people are the head. People decide what goes on and what doesn't yeah. go on. Um, and then it's the constitution and then it's government. It's not government, constitution, people. It's yeah. people, constitution, government. And people forget that. And, and that's the thing, too, where I think it's kind of interesting about this situation is because, you know, with the COVID situation, you see so many. Keep talking. I got to piss. You see, like, so many people that, like, um, are, like, torn apart. Like, like they, um, it's just interesting because you see a lot of people that are torn apart. Like, some people believe in wearing masks. Some people don't. A lot of people believe that COVID is a really big threat, and a lot of people don't. So it's really interesting to see, like, in that manner, you know, like when it comes to like the people having the voice, because as of right now, I feel like, you know, not just on COVID, but I feel like, you know, on a lot of different things right now, America's really, uh, really divided and undecided. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, once we get this under a firm grasp that, you know, how it works out. <laughs> it, you know, I hope it. I hope it does work out one day. Um, sorry, folks, well. I was in the bathroom real quick. Um, I hope it does work out real quick. Um, real quick. I hope it does work <laughs> out one day. Um, because, you know, the way it's looking is not, it's not looking viable. It's not looking like we can sustain a long-term country with this type of, you know, ideolo dogmatic ideology that if you have any dissent whatsoever, you're evil, you're racist, you're bigoted. I, yeah. We cannot function as a country with that at the helm and people like when, Putin and, um, well, Ping Ping is just laughing at us right now. Yeah. And, and one thing I like to think about too, is, you know, an analogy that I, you know, kind of made up myself is, you know, like imagine two people are in a boat, you know, a wooden boat and it's sinking, there's a hole in it. And one person wants to slap, you know, tape over it to cover the hole and stop it. And one person wants the cork on it. They're sitting there arguing and arguing, arguing and bitching. But meanwhile, the boat's still sinking. You know? Yeah, that's fascinating. You know? And the boat's that's, never going to not sink if it's sinking. Huh? The boat's going to keep sinking if it's sinking. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of what I see somewhat happening in America to, on a different level, though. 
you know, everybody's so split on what they want and what they think is right that, you know, they don't realize that, you know, by butting heads this whole entire time, we're not getting, you know, really any better at all. Well, it's, it's you, you, like, even as a person, you don't get better if you're never challenged. Yeah. You're, you just think you're always right? Like, what does that have anything yeah, to and, do with and, anything? And about, that's the know? other thing, too, is, you know, like, when it comes to, like, these political sides and stuff is, you know, like, everybody's so closed-minded. They think that, you know, like, their side's right, and they don't want to hear the other side. I think in order to, you know, get past these kind of things, you know, you have to be able to open up and listen to the other side and say, okay, this is what you think, this is what you want, you know, like, I don't believe in that necessarily, but what can I do to, you know, somewhat accommodate that and, you know, so we can get past this? Well, also, you got to go into it like this. You got to go into it thinking, you know, is there any way that I could be wrong about this subject? Especially yeah. if it's a highly debated subject. Yeah. You got to go into a conversation really thinking, is there any way that I could be physically wrong about what we're talking about here? Yeah. And if I can... And if I am, is there any way that that person sitting across from me who I disagree with right now could be right? Yeah. Because fundamentally, we're all humans and, and we all are imperfect. You that's know? the thing, though, too. You know, like like back to what I just said is, you know, everybody's so closed-minded that they don't want to see their perspective from the other side. So they don't really understand where the other side's coming from. They just see their point of view and their perspective, and that's what they think is right. They don't, like have the patience or, you know, respect necessarily to see the other side of it. Patience, bro. Everyone wants everything now, nowadays, you know, yeah. that's that you can see that with everything. Yeah. You know, um, I'm worried that in the next few years, because we're already seeing it, like kids are acting like real life is, is GTA is games. Like yeah. those girls who hijacked that car in Washington DC and killed that Uber driver. Did you see that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, People, kids are living like they're in video games nowadays. And as graphics and as VR become so popular, I'm afraid that the VR and the and the um, digital realm is going to become almost as if number one over reality. Yeah. On another subject, though, too, that I think is interesting is um, just a couple, and this might affect the U.S., but um, a couple days ago, uh, you know, back to Russia for whatever reason, yeah. but... Um, they sent a hundred thousand border, a hundred thousand troops to the Ukrainian border. Did see that? Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna get interesting. Well, we backed Ukraine after that, didn't we? I believe so. Yes. Because <laughs> I think I believe that Ukraine is in the UN, and obviously we are too. So I think we, I don't think we are. I think Biden put his back in. I'm not sure. I don't think we were ever. Hold on, let me look that up. I don't think the United States is in the UN. Let's look it up right now. Is the U.S. a part? Of the UN. Um, the United States of America is a charter member of the United Nations and one of five permanent members of the UN Security Council. Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Well, Russia is a part of it. But that's the, that's the interesting, but that's the thing that I think is like, like what happens from here is like, you know, with hundred, you don't just throw 100,000 troops on the border for no reason. You know? Yeah, that's, that's going to get... You know, <laughs> I'm worried about the future of nuclear relations war. between, well, I mean, everyone. <laughs> We've been worried about nuclear war since the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis in the 60s. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm worried about our relations with China, especially, because if we don't get our act together, China's going to take over the world, liberal world order and create, or, I mean, to an extent, China is in favor of the free market as yeah. the world market, but also they're not. 
they just threw that billionaire, um, can't remember his name. I can't remember his name in prison because he was the leader of the Democratic Party. He was pushing for a democracy in China, and they just don't like that, so they threw him in prison in China. Yeah, and that's what I think is kind of messed up. Is like they can just do that. I also think communist countries, bro. Communist I also, countries. I also seen another thing that was kind of interesting. Um, in Canada, the some guy like you know like richest guy there or something you know like sold all his stocks. And completely bankrupted the top bank in Canada. Wow. Yeah. So, and that kind of, the reason why I know about that is cause, because that kind of affects me because two, our two main customers is Canada and Great Britain with the Royal Mint. And so that, I'm interested to see how, if that affects my work because, you know, we make a lot of, you know, like silver product and stuff like that for uh, the RCM Royal Canadian Mint and then TRM Great Britain. And so I'm interested to see what happens with that because that supposedly, supposedly this guy, you know, sold all his stocks and just completely yeah. bankrupted the top bank there. So here's the thing, though, with the coin industry that you work in, um, what do you think is going to happen now that as we move to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and Dogecoin and um, Shiba <laughs> and things like that, what happens when we make with the coin industry, when we make that jump to all digital currency? I'm not sure. And it's... I'm honestly not sure because we do a lot of uh, different types of products, so it's it's really hard to say what's going to happen with that thing because you I don't know. That's a good. That's a good. <laughs> I don't know. That's because a good it question. seems like paper money and coined money is is on the fallout. And yeah, it's like going everybody's be, you know like paying with like Apple Pay like yeah, on exactly. their phone and that kind of thing. It seems like in the next few years NFTs are going to be the most popular things. The next couple of decades, while also like we're going to be all spending money through a blockchain like a Bitcoin yeah. or uh, like countries are going to be dominated by a certain cryptocurrency on a blockchain. Yeah. There's going to be a United States blockchain that maybe or North American or a world blockchain Yeah, because you can't there's not a limit to how large the the digital realm is, you know? Yeah. You can just keep growing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's an interesting thought. You know I don't really I mean? think about that too much. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, yeah, it is true, though, because, you know, like, you go to the store and, you know, like, you see half these people, you know, they, you know, just put up their Apple Watch or, you know, their phone or something to the counter, and it's like, yeah. that's how they pay, and it's, you know, like, me, I'm still pretty old school. Like, I go to the bank, I get cash out, I have, like, you know, I still have the change thing in my truck, you know, like, when I go to, like, say, Jack in the Box and get a cheeseburger, and I say it's two thirty-seven, I get out $2.37, but... It is interesting to see like how long that's really gonna last. You know, like I don't think it's just gonna like disappear, but I mm -hmm. it, it is. You know, now that you really think about it, it, you can see how it is like slowly beginning kind of to, to phase fade, out. Yeah. Um, what do you think happens? What do you think happens in a world where paper money and coin money doesn't exist? Like, how do you think that looks? What do you think it looks like? Something like. You know, because the value of money might change dramatically. Yeah, and it's another thing, though, too, is if we start to lean towards, like, more online stuff, you know, like cryptocurrency and such, is, like, then what happens, like, more so, like, with cybersecurity and stuff? Because I know, like, I remember, like, a lot of people when, you know, like, uh, the AI cars and stuff like that, you know, cars that use, you know, like, um, not use, like, cell signal, but they use, you know, like, kind of, like, wireless networks and stuff. A lot of people were saying, you know, like if we, you know, completely rely on that sort of thing, 
it does make it, you know, more of a national threat because if, say, you know, like China or Russia were to attack that sort of a system, you know, and everybody, say everybody's driving, you know, electric cars that rely on like the same sort of like wireless network and they were to, you know, do a cyber attack and now nobody can drive their cars because, you know, they don't have that network. And so I'm wondering if the same sort of thing can happen. Um, With digital currency? Yeah. Yeah. So, um Theoretically, no, because they're on a blockchain, which means they're closed off and the only people that can get in know how to encrypt, like, you know, like yeah. have the access. But I mean, theoretically, on yeah. the other aspect of that, if hackers do get in, they could rule the world. Yeah. And that, so that's the other thing that I think is kind of dangerous about it is I think that a lot of people, in a sense, can sort of play God with that and the fact that they, you know, control that kind of thing. And they have like that kind, you know, like the people that have like access to it you know, access to changing mm -hmm. the currency and changing the value of it. Well, what happens? Here's a, here's another crazy thought. What happens when currency is tied, cryptocurrency is tied with political ideology. So you can't, you can't invest in this and this, or you can't, you can't you become or spend on this blockchain unless you prove that you have this certain political ideology. I don't know. I don't know if that ever, if that ever come to that. How do you know, man? Right you now, I mean, you don't. But then again, you know, you look at the way the world is right now, especially America. And I, I don't know if I can necessarily see, you know, people letting that sort of thing happen. But you know, it could happen. I mean, look at what's happening already with social media. You can't even post on certain social medias if you have all social medias banned. Has, the president of the United States. Yeah. Think about that for a second. No. He's back on Instagram. I'm, it doesn't. I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, think about that for a second. Regardless of who you believe in or what you think about Trump, he was the president of the United States and social media banned was able to ban him. Yeah. And what it's happens? Not, it's not just like, it's not just like they censored one too. It's like every platform like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like they all just like shut it, his ass down. Like, the president of the United States, the yeah. man who's supposed to uphold and execute the our fundamental rights, which the number one First Amendment is freedom of spree, speech. And they Spreach. still shut it down. And they shut him down. So what yeah. happens one day when that happens with money? And you're not able to spend or use money because you, don't, you think a certain way. That's and called political dissension. And that's called... Almost, you could You're cause a whole. Just forcing people to. You to could cause a holodomir, or you could cause a famine, a widespread famine of conservatives, if you wanted to. Yeah. Or think about it in a different way. Um, the government or political or private industries could cause widespread, um, sped, <laughs> widespread, um, like famine and causes, or um, like let's say, like they could hack. Um, the cars of conservative leaders and crash their cars and stuff like that. You know, yeah. when everything's digital realm, it'd be so easy to take people out of the digital realm or take them out, you know. And that's always, an, it's always a threat to see, um, like, you know, of, like, dangers. But, like, once we all exist in a digital realm as well as a um, real, like, the real life, it's easier to take people out of the question and out of the discussion. And I think, I think that's one of the things that's holding us back the most about, you know, leaning towards this digital age is, you know, that, that unknowingness, because that's not where we're at right now. You know, we're, you know, we're not, that's not where we're at right now. You know, we're not at that digital age. So I think that's one thing that's holding a lot of people back is, you know, that the unknowing of how Big it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. 
allows us. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's one of the things that's, you know, holding a lot of people back is because we don't know how it's going to be. And this isn't, you know, the kind of world we live in. So nobody knows what it's going to be like, what to expect. And I think that's one thing that's scaring a lot of people. For sure. Um, on another note, why do you think humans are conscious? What? <laughs> why do you think humans are conscious? It's an, it's an idea that fascinates me. What I do think you therefore mean? I am like, like why, why are like, how, like, are, what is the reason humans are conscious or what is consciousness or like, what, is, well, you know, what is your belief on all of that? The human experience, the reason that you wake up every day and think unless you're a robot, in which case, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> um, well, dang, that's a good question. Um, dang, that's a stumper. You never philosophize about consciousness ever? Not really. <laughs> I think about it all the time because I, I you know, it like it could be a radio wave, you know, like we like tune into, like our bodies tune into it and it's actually a, like a digital, like not even a digital thing, but it's actually a like universal energy. That- yeah. I, I believe in it more in a spiritual way. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, like, so there's, you know, there's like, I believe in ghosts, like that sort of thing. And there's a theory, you know, that every person that's born, you know, has like this, this energy and it's not like, not like, um, like you can see it or anything, but like the subconscious energy that even when we die, supposedly is still there. So I don't think, I don't think it's anything like what you just said. Like, you know, like we're like a radio frequency or anything. Yeah. Like, I think we all have Have our own thoughts and we all have our soul and we all have that spirituality. I think it's more so just a matter of like finding that realization and finding it. You know, I will say this, like you can, you can feel people's energy. Like when they're giving off positive or negative energy, you can feel it upon yourself. You know, if you meet a very vibrant person, you can feel it and you actually get more attracted to it. It's the same thing with negativity. You know, you feel this, but you don't like it at your core, you know, or maybe you do because you're in a bad place. So I will say like humans do have this energy that you can feel without seeing. Yeah. And, and it's like, like, and I'll go back to a story, you know, when I went on my first date with my girlfriend at that now, um, you know, we didn't go anywhere special, anything crazy, you know, we're just chilling in my truck, you know, um, and I remember, you know, like, at a certain point, you know, I like laid my head on her lap, and she was running her fingers through my hair, and it was just like, that amount of like comfortability, and like, the, the bond of trust, and the amount like of comfort we had in each other, but we didn't even speak about it, you know, it's like one of those unsaid things that, you know, like, you feel it and you know it and you understand it, but you know, like nobody said it, you know, nobody said you feel comfortable with her, you know, you know, you feel like, uh, that kind of thing, but you still feel it, you know? Well, that's also tapping into something very different, which is love. Yeah. Love is unexplainable, man. Yeah. I mean, some people like Rick from Rick and Morty would say it's just a chemical balance that makes people uh, have children, but I don't really believe that. No. Because love makes you do stupid shit, bro. Oh, yeah, it does. But it also is the craziest feeling, you know? Yeah. It's it's like this uncontrollable urge to just But then, in like, like what I was feel. saying, though, is like, you know, it's like feeling these things with the person but you know it's like unspoken you know and it's like a person can make you feel something like like in that moment you know and it's not like anybody told you to feel like that it's not like anybody you know like told you that's how you felt you just felt that way Mm -hmm. and it's it's i think it's kind of like like what you said it's pretty fascinating it's also fascinating that like i mean as a man you know we can get into the masculine and, and feminine i mean 
as long as you're heterosexual, um, you can relate to this. Um, maybe if I don't, I've never been in a homosexual relationship, <laughs> so I don't know. but um, nothing against that. But I'm saying like yeah. how like we're both big men and like these little girls can like have like the biggest hold upon our hearts, you know, and make yeah. us make us do things that like we never thought we would do, you know, feel so vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, I, my girlfriend is 5'3", 100-something pounds, and I'm... Hey, my girlfriend's 5'3". Exactly. 6'1", <laughs> 200 pounds, and she, I'm more scared of her than I've been in by anybody in my entire life, you know? Yeah. She makes me so vulnerable, and so, it makes it worth living, you know? It makes yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Love, that, see, that's another thing, you know? Love is... Love is the one thing that makes consciousness matter. I think so. You yeah. know, consciousness wouldn't matter if you didn't love. If you're just living your life just to do, yeah. you know, live by the norm, you know, go work, you know, be a part, you know, and it's like, not like you shouldn't try to be a functioning part of society, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like you got to make it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like be like fun it wouldn't be interesting if there weren't like these if people didn't have feelings because then you're just you know you're just a robot literally and so i think being vulnerable and having like you know feelings like that being able to feel emotions and stuff is you know what makes life you know suck sometimes but it also makes it worth living so i saw i always watch these like full little philosophy clips on youtube because i'm a big philosophy guy and i like i yeah. just think all the time in my head but you know there's this clip about this guy and so i'll tell the story it's pursuit of wonder if you guys want to go watch the full clip shout out pursuit of wonder but this guy you know he he, he drive he gets out of his car he gets off work and he drives to the cliff he drives to a cliff right yeah and it's his favorite spot in the world he takes off his license plate he takes out his license and he throws it into the cliff Dang. and he is about to commit suicide yeah and he's sitting there and he's thinking about it and um this girl walks up behind him and she goes, hey, what are you doing here? Or no, no. Um, she doesn't say anything. She just says, hey, what's up? And they just have a little conversation. She walks away. Yeah. And he goes, you're not going to ask me what I'm doing here? Yeah. And she goes, what are you doing here? And, and he goes, I think he goes, um, I'm here to commit suicide or something. Yeah. And she asks why. And she goes, this world, he said, this world is full of suffering. You know, there's so much pain. Um, there's so much anxiety. There's so much hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, and she runs at him, and she. I'm I'm butchering the story, but this is basically the story. And she <laughs> pushes him in the in the ditch, and he falls down, and he wakes up. And or before that, she goes, um, "Well, what kind of world would you like to live in?" And he goes, "A place where it's always good. You know, I always wake up and I feel comfortable the way I, yeah. the way I wake up, and I, and I love my life, and I want to do things." And she runs and she pushes him in the cliff, and he freaks out and he wakes up and. It's the same day. Yeah. And he is living a perfect life. Nothing ever goes wrong. Everything's good. Everything's happy, you know. Um, but it feels like something's And the missing. same day, he drives to the cliff. The same yeah. day that he did the, the, in the regular life. He drive, in this perfect world, he drives to the cliff. He takes out his license plate. He takes off his li um, out his license, and he throws it in the cliff. And the same girl walks up. And she goes, what are you, the same question happened. He goes, I'm here to commit suicide. He's like, everything's dull. Nothing makes it worth living. Yeah. You know? It's like everything's the same always. And she goes, well, what kind of world would you live in? And he goes, something where he goes, because he doesn't remember the last life. And he goes, a yeah. place where not everything's the same, where there is sometimes bad, but it makes the good so much better. Yeah. A place where it's exciting because you don't know what's going to happen, good or bad. Yeah. And she 
pushes him in the ditch and he wakes up and that's life. Yeah. If so, there's a quote, a famous quote by um, I don't remember, but I heard it from Jordan Peterson on his podcast, yeah. and he goes, he says, um, you know, if the if the humans actually brought into utopia into fruition, the first thing they do is break the system because they want to see something different yeah. happen. And I think that's a testament to humans. Humans don't want perfect. Humans don't want happy all the time. As much as we say it and how much it hurts when we're in a bad or we're, we're sad or everything, we yeah. don't want that all the time. We need some good. We, good. But we also need some bad to make the good so much better. Yeah. And, and having the bad too helps us get, you know, I think a better understanding of ourselves and it helps us to grow as people, you know, because Definitely. if everything were, you know, perfect all the time, then, you know, like it, it just, like you said, it wouldn't be interesting. And it's not like, you know, not like people want to be in bad situations and, and should be in bad situations, but it helps people, I think, grow in a way you know, that I think does make them better, you know? No, for sure. I, I went through one of the really most tough semesters of my life this last semester um, yeah. in school. Just I was going through a lot in my own head, just mental health, missing yeah. my girlfriend, missing home, yeah. and playing football. It was really tough. But, you know, I will say, what I will say is I'm a thousand percent, I didn't think I could do it, you know, and get through it. But I got through it and I'm a thousand times stronger than I could have been yeah. at the start of the semester. And and that's one thing that... um so my girlfriend is Mormon and she's getting her mission call within like, she's, she was supposed to have gotten it like a week ago. And so like, you know, like we've already talked about it, you know, we're staying together to do it, but you know, it's going to be hard. You know, there's going to be a lot of days where, you know, like mental health wise, it's going to, you know, suck and it's going to, we're going to struggle. But I think at the end of the day, you know, once, you know, you know, a year and a half later down the line, it's going to be so much better because we went through that, you know, and not, not saying that, you know, like I want her to go. So a relationship can be better. Like, obviously I wish you could stay, yeah. but you know, I think, you know, having that time apart and, you know, having not, and again, like, not like that, I want that hurt or anything, but, you know, having that time apart, you know, I think will allow us to grow a lot stronger, you know, by ourselves and also to grow more appreciative out of each other. I saw a quote earlier today that said, scars are only the sign that you're stronger than you were before it happened. Yeah. And I really like that because I have a bunch of scars yeah. of things that, you know, I got hurt from or things that are dumb as fuck. <laughs> um, but either way, um, it, they show me, they remind me of a time where I was weaker than I am now. Yeah. You know? And the only, a big David Goggins argument is that, you know, be stronger than you were yesterday. Yeah. And also win the battle up here, upstairs, you know? Yeah. Life isn't about winning against other people or being better than other people. It's about beating yourself every day. And it's about being winning the battle upstairs. Because yeah. your hardest cricket, cricket, your hardest cricket, <laughs> your hardest critic is always between your own ears, you know? Yourself, yeah. Because no matter what I think about, too, is like, you know... Like, and it comes, it comes back to hunting in a way, you know, like when you're out there and you know, you don't have cell signal, you have yourself. And so you're always going to be in your own head. You're always going to have your own thoughts. And I think that's, you know, one of the only constants in this world is you always have your own thoughts. And so I think that's the hardest thing in, uh, for a lot of people is, you know, dealing with those thoughts and getting, you know, past those thoughts. That's cool that you brought up hunting to talk about that because that's exactly how I feel about kicking. Because in a football game, I mean, you played football. You have those 11 other guys, really, yeah. you know, if you're a position. I mean, obviously, you still have yourself, but it's not really individual. Yeah. Kicking, 
all you have is yourself. <laughs> you're it's it's upstairs, man. If you're if because anyone really can kick. I mean, if you have any foot athleticism at all, like if you're like played soccer or anything, you can kick yeah, the ball. But it's like about it. if you can keep your it it all right upstairs, man. It it is the big. It's kind of like golf in that sense. It's the yeah. biggest head game of them all because you know I've Blair Walsh for example, Vikings. I'm a big Vikings fan. Blair <laughs> Walsh was the best kicker, the best kicker in the league. Yeah. And he missed the Seattle kick, and he was never the same. Never yeah. really played again. He just could not get past that because it was himself. Yeah, I rem- yeah, I, remember and I hope that. he's doing good. But man, like that's he, he clearly lost, you know, his battle. Yeah, and, but maybe his battle was telling him that football wasn't for him anymore. Yeah, and and he was in the game for a long time before that. And I think, uh, and you see that happen a lot with kickers like Cincinnati. I'm a Bengals fan, by the way, but. Uh, Cincinnati, they had this one kicker, Mike Nugent, and for the longest time, he was a good-ass kicker. Like, Yeah. And I remember he just started, like, you know, missing some kicks here and there, and it just kept on growing and growing, and, like, he never was able to, like... Bounce back? Yeah. Kicking's fascinating, dude. It's so hard, and it's so... It's physically hard on your body because your body doesn't really want to do that. Yeah. But it's also mentally hard, man, because it's draining. Because some days, dude, I've never played anything like it where it's, like, some days you can just be fucking arrow truth you know yeah and some days you can just be dog water bro <laughs> like you can't even hit a nail on a coffin bro yeah like it it kicking is one of the hardest things that i've ever done in my entire but it's also one of the most rewarding things that i've ever yeah. done in my entire life yeah like like that experience you know like when you're hunting like when for instance when i shot my catwalk this year you know shot from like 425 yards away and it was me my dad and my uncle and, you know, when I shot, you know, you're, you're zoned in. Like, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about anything else. And so we thought that we, we hit. We didn't know for sure because, you know, she was walking with a bunch of other elk. And, you know, they were coming in and out of brush. So you couldn't really see if she went behind a bush and died. You know, you couldn't tell that yeah, she went behind a bush sure. and died because you can't see what's behind that bush. And I remember, you know, like we were walking. You know, we walked over there. We were walking up this hillside and we spread. We fanned out. I was on the left side, my dad was in the middle, and my uncle was on the right side. My uncle, you know, we're walking, and my uncle just goes, damn, Dustin, you're a good shot. And I was like, that, you know, right there, I was just like, that relief, and just like that, you know, like walking up to it, it was just like, that that feeling is just like a really, really good feeling. Have you ever had any really close encounters with like big, larger animals, not rattlesnakes, not spiders or scorpions, but large animals to where you're like, oh shit, like... I'm in danger, like bighorn sheep or bears or anything? Um, not necessarily. When I was actually on my deer hunt this year, tough-ass son of a bitch took like three shots to put him down. Wow. But because um, like when I first shot him, I kind of shot him in the ass because he was going, <coughs> going up over the hill and I didn't you know, have much other of a shot. So it, it was actually the second weekend going up too. So we didn't have, you know, like many other options and i remember when we walked up to him he was laying down oh better story so um <laughs> digress <laughs> go back yeah but um so okay so i'll finish the story and then i'll get to another okay, one yeah sounds so good. when we got up to him he, he couldn't use his back legs but he could use his front legs so you know he like tried standing up on his front legs and he was you know freaking the fuck out and you know that was just kind of like whoa but um and then we had to shoot him. So I had to shoot him some more times, so you know, to put him down. But um, so me and my dad this winter actually we were we were with a family friend and we were duck hunting and goose hunting, and so we were walking this creek, and so 
we were doing jump shooting and basically what that is is you know you're walking down a creek you know there's cattails whatever on the sides so it's really thick brush you can't see really all the time what's in the water so you know you get 20 yards away from some ducks and they start flying up and they fly you know different directions so you try to hit them as they're flying away and yeah. um but uh so i remember we were driving just punched the mic <laughs> but i remember we were driving on the highway and we seen this big ass deer running mm-hmm. and we lost sight of him and so i remember me and my dad started walking um this creek i was on the right side he was on the left side and i remember i'm walking and like 20 yards in front of me i could see some antlers and at first i thought it was you know a deadhead i was like oh cool you know that's a big ass you know deadhead i walk up i'm probably like you know from like here to like three feet away and there's just that big ass buck that we seen running laying oh, wow there. And so I jump back, and I'm like, you know, holy crap. And my dad's like, what, what? And he walks up on the other side, and he can see it. And he's just, the deer was just laying there, and he had a barbed wire in his horn. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, like kind of like wrapped up in his horns, and it looked like he was going back on his body. And so I was like, what do we do? And um, we went, um, we were in this one spot, like right by uh, Gabe Warren's house, because, you know, Game Warren's, they're stationed in areas, so they have to stay, you know, in that general area. And so we were like, well, let's, you know, call the game warden. He's like, he's like, it looks like there's something on it, though. Can you go back and, like, look at it or whatever? Because, you know, at that point, I had, like, backed up behind it yeah. to where I couldn't really see it. And so I started walking back over to it. And as soon as I started walking back over to it, he jumped up and freaking took off. But that right there scared the crap out of me because, you know, this is a big-ass deer, you know, with barbed wire. And, you know, I think the scariest part is, too, you know, is, like, when animals are distressed and when yeah, they get aggressive, sure. you know, you there's no telling what they're going to do. And it was just like that right there, like scared the absolute crap out of me. It I'm was, sure it did. It was crazy. Was that both stories? Yeah. That was the second story was the, the creek one. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. I thought they kind of intertwined. Um, but no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> stupid me. Uh, but, um, no, back to like what you were talking about with hunting, you know, and I mean not hunting, uh, distressed animals. Yeah. So this one time I was at my friend's house and, you know, one of the scariest things to me is dogs, bro. Like when yeah. dogs are, are, are upset, like they're wild animals, dude. Yeah. And this dog like attacked my leg, dude. And it was all beat up and just, just gnarly because he just like bit me like three times, dude. Mm. Man, dogs are like... I don't know if you've ever been chased by a dog, but that's no, some fear, dude. That yeah. is some fear that you get. Yeah. Um, my neighbors have this one dog, most annoying dog in the world. Barks every time they let him out in the backyard. But um, he, like, got out of the gate. And so I'm, like, running because I live in a cul-de-sac. So I'm, like, running all around the cul-de-sac. And I do this big-ass loop to come back to my house because he's our neighbor. And I had to, like, jump in the bed of my truck. <laughs> It was Man. crazy. So we know you believe in ghosts. Do you believe in aliens? Yes, I do. Have you ever seen any aliens? Yeah. Okay, story. Go. Um, so we have, and this is, so this is going to be, a, it's probably going to be a long ass story. That's big-ass fine. Story. But um, so my family, we have this cabin just north of Pioche. It's on this place called Mount Wilson. And so back in the day, Mount Wilson, um, Mount Wilson Ranch was owned by this man. I, you probably have heard of him, uh, Robert Bigelow. And I've, I, the name is familiar, but who is he? If I Bigelow Airspace, so he owns Bigelow Airspace. He's a billionaire, and his big thing is um, UFOs, that kind of thing. 
And so, you know, when, when he owns somewhere, it's not like, a, oh, like that must be interesting. Like when he owns somewhere and he has, you know, research somewhere, you know that it's like, it's a big deal. Something's going on there. And um, so like he owned the ranch. And the thing about Bigelow is he keeps all his research and everything private. Like he doesn't ever release anything. And so I've seen like, and I know, I don't know how much everybody that's listening believes in this kind of stuff, but I, you know, I've seen UFOs over top of Mount Wilson. Like I've seen, you know, actual, you know, like discs. I remember at night, you know, on two different occasions, um, you know, I've seen like not actual, you know, like uh, structure, you know, like not yeah. actual like planes or, any, or UFOs or anything. But, you know, the, the, you know how a lot of times like in places like Arizona and stuff, like when it comes to UFO sightings, they'll see like the light structures, you know, like the light, you know, like a V or something. And yeah. I've seen that a couple of times. And then this is going to be the craziest, probably the craziest thing you've ever heard from me. But so I, we have this loft thing at our cabin and we, you where's know, the cabin at? It's on Mount Wilson. Oh, it's at, you it's, have a cabin at Mount Wilson? Yeah. It's within, you know, a mile or so of Mount Wilson ranch. And oh, what they wow. were doing, what they're studying is, I, I don't know what they're studying. You have another but, cabin too? I thought you had one in like, um, Duck Creek. Nah, we had, we had a property in Alma, but we sold that. Oh, okay. Keep going. But, um, and so this is where it gets kind of interesting, but um, like, like it kind of ties into a little bit back into what you were talking about earlier within like the subconscious and conscious mind is I have a memory and I don't know if it's a dream or not, but I have a memory cause there's this loft. And so like I sleep, you know, facing one way and there's a staircase and I remember, and, and like I said, I don't know if it was a dream or not, but I remember seeing, you know, like this little like gray alien, you know, peek around the stair corner and then, you know, like walk up to the side of my bed and I turn to my side and like, that's, that's the thing is like, um, when it comes to like a lot of UFO, UFO stories is, you know, in cases of abduction and stuff, they, um, the memory is still in your mind, but it's in your subconscious mind. So you don't even know what happened. You could live your whole life and not even know what happened. And so like a lot of, um, UFO researchers, they use hypnosis and stuff to like, bring forth that subconscious mind. So I've always wanted to like go and see like if anything actually happened, but yeah, I've also, I'm also like, eh. <laughs> do you really want to know too? You know? Yeah. But no, I've, I've seen some pretty crazy. Mount Wilson is really cool, but yeah, it's, it's definitely got some weird stuff going on. No, there's definitely a lot of stories around Las Vegas. Um, a lot of people that I know around here just, yeah, just the location alone have said a lot of things about UFOs. I don't know if there has been contact with aliens on Earth. I just don't know if I believe, but I definitely there has to be. There's has so, to be life out there somewhere else, you know. There's a story back in the seventies. It's somewhere I think in Arizona or maybe New Mexico. There's a nuclear plant there, and so um, there was this guy who like these four dudes were driving in a car, and this dude, um this dude, you know, like they, they seen a light, you know, through some trees and this, you know, everybody stayed in the car, but this one dude walked up, to, you know, got out and walked through the, the trees into I think the I've heard to this see story, this. Yeah. And he was, you know, supposedly abducted. And so this is where I think it kind of ties into it, you know, in a scientific matter. But so there's a theory that aliens or UFOs sort of like feed off of, um, you know, nuclear waste, you know, everything that comes out of it, the fumes and everything. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I think it gets pretty interesting and you can actually kind of prove it scientifically is this guy can show you, he remembers the exact spot that when he was dropped off supposedly by this UFO. Yeah. Um, 
so he got he ended up getting skin cancer that kind of thing and you can also see from that exact timeline where he was dropped off because you know there's trees on the side of the highway you can see the trees on the side of the highway where he's dropped off have um really abnormal they have you know like stupid ridiculous abnormal growth rates that's linked to nuclear uh radioactive you know exposure mm -hmm. and and it ties back into the theory of you know ufos potentially using you know radioactive yeah, waste sure. as some sort of a fuel or something yeah man do you know anything about the multiverse uh-uh all right this is gonna blow your mind <laughs> so, so the idea is that there's an if the mathematics is correct in quantum physics, there's an infinite amount of universes, yeah. which means there's an infinite amount of use doing something different, but also doing the same thing. So kind of like in Rick and Morty, you have yeah. That theory. Well, that's like a big quantum uh, quantum mechanics theory. Or quantum quantum. I think it's quantum mechanics theory. Is that that is a thing? Like there's multiple like infinite amounts of universes and each infinite amount of universes has the same you doing things and yeah. you doing different, different things. things. And that freaks me out because yeah. you know, that means there's a universe where juice world is still alive yeah. and there's a universe where me and you are both dead. Yeah. Wild, <laughs> wild. Yeah. No, I guess I have kind of thought about that before, but I don't know. That is an interesting thing. Like that person that just drove by on the street on their bike could have just got, you know, like mowed down by a car. Well, <laughs> Not that that's funny, but. <laughs> no, but it, he didn't. That's it's so it's yeah. dude. the multiverse is something, you know, just absolutely fascinating. And, you know, to an extent too, like if that is the case, it, may, it can make you be cynical really fast and, and make you like, why am I even here? Like, is life even worth living if I'm just another version of me? Some, yeah. you know? And so I think the real meaning lies in somewhere between doing things that you know are necessary while also doing things that are like absolutely abnormal. Yeah. So like understanding that like you're just another person that could be in millions and I mean infinite versions of you, but also you're this specific, specific you one, yeah. alive right now. You know? Yeah, that is a... So live your life in the moment, <laughs> man. Live your life the best you can be. Yeah. Dustin Lompre, thank you yeah. for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Shake me up. Damn.